Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I welcome Stephanie Morillo. She's a content strategist, a writer, editor, and product manager at Microsoft. She's also the author of The Developer's Guide to Content Creation, which seeks to teach program developers and those aspiring to be a dev how to manage their brand as they build. So often, devs focus on the code and the technology, and that's important to be sure. But if you want to translate your project into earning potential, you need a brand. Stephanie's life work focuses on bridging that divide, and she shares actionable items and strategies in this episode that everyone can use to level up. Time to listen, learn, and leverage. So let's get started. So I'm thrilled to welcome Stephanie Morillo to the show today. She holds a master in science and is a content strategist, writer, editor, and manager. She is currently the technical program manager at Microsoft and the author of the upcoming book, The Developer's Guide to Content Creation. It's set to be released on January 28th, 2020, and it's a book for devs who want to consistently and confidently generate new ideas and to publish high-quality technical content, and she's going to tell us all about that today. But this topic is one that is near and dear to my heart because it fits squarely into one of the most important topics that I cover in Tech Intersect, how to prepare yourself for the future of work. And to do so in this economy that exists at the intersections of law, business, and technology. Today, we focus on the business and tech side, and I'm thrilled to connect with you, Stephanie, to take a deep dive into how devs can build as they brand. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So you have a really interesting and impressive background in writing and editing on the technical content side. So let's start off with kind of your origin uh, story, share with the audience your background and the, the background that led to the work that you do today at Microsoft, but also for devs. Sure. Um, I have a very unique origin story. I did not go to school for computer science. I did not have much of a tech background um, leading up to eventually making the move into tech. Uh, my background is in strategic communications and marketing, and I was working primarily in the nonprofit space for a few years. And it was through that work that I got some, I, I had a few interactions with developers, but I really did not understand much about what it was that they did. I loved right. creating content online uh, because I've, I've, I've loved consuming and, and writing information, sharing information. That's always been a big deal for me, but tech was always a field that I felt was inaccessible. I didn't code at the time. I didn't understand anything about hardware, anything about software. It just, it felt very, very foreign to me. And it wasn't until about four years outside of college, I decided that I wanted to learn how to code. And a really good friend of mine took me under his wing and started uh, giving me programming les lessons once a week. I was learning Ruby with the hopes of eventually becoming a developer. Um, at that point, it was about 2012. 
coding boot camps were emerging. It became very clear to a lot of folks who felt that software development jobs were previously felt really inaccessible, were now starting to become more accessible, more open to people. So it was a really exciting time to learn how to code. And a lot of folks understood software development as a trap that would lead to gainful employment, to learning, you know, earning more than just minimum wage. It's definitely earning a living wage that could really impact uh, one's uh, ability to accumulate wealth and and pass on um, and help and help out their families and their communities. So the impact of learning how to code for me at that particular point in time was wow. I can I can I'll be able to make enough money to sustain myself and then eventually hopefully make enough so I can help my family and then you know when I start a family of my own be able to kind of make those life milestones but also helping out my family be able to balance all of those things and make those right. possible that is um really really important because another you know when I think there's so many things oh, all my synapses are firing as you're speaking because there's a lot of there there um one the idea of upskilling in place to figure out how do I make my current expertise relevant in this new economy. Mm -hmm. And then also, as you talk about creating not just a job, but a pathway, a track, a career that would sustain generational wealth. Because oh, there's yes. so, you know, when you think about underrepresented communities and starting over again, every generation and getting further and further behind, it's, that's one of the many reasons it's so critically important for people to do what you've done. I don't have a technical background either, although I'm usually an early early adopter of technology and I'm interested in it. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm drawn to it. Uh, and in the same way that you became interested in coding, although you went way further than I did, I need to sit down somewhere and learn how to code. What you've shared with the listeners is really important. One, it's never too late. Two, you can make a pivot at any time that is in a meaningful direction. And so taking your existing background and adding the technical component to that, not being afraid to do that is a really powerful testimony. It is. And it, and, and frankly, it was very frightening. I had a right. lot of, I came, I came to programming with a lot of assumptions and the assumptions were, well, you know what? I wasn't very good at math when I was young, because for me, coding was kind of an impenetrable language that required abstract level thinking. And in some ways, frankly, there there is a lot of that. Um, if, if one is really good with, with logic, if one has a background where they've used logic a lot, programming is really well suited to that. Just because of how, how programming languages are structured and, and how code is structured, um, someone who is really comfortable coming up with logical expressions would easily be able to find the parallels with programming. But I, I came from a creative background. And frankly, a lot of the, the processes and skills that, that I possessed at the time, they were hard for me to articulate because I couldn't really tell you how I learned anything that I learned. I learned by doing. And, and I was really right. interested. I've always been interested in making connections between things that weren't, uh, that may not be as obvious to someone else. So when I was learning how to program, it was, it, it was really difficult because Programming is something that's very difficult to learn, period, although it is obviously it, it, easier for some folks than it is for others. But the, the entire time I felt I felt quite dumb and I was very much out of my depth and I wasn't sure if this was going to be the the thing for me. And uh, one of the things that exacerbated that particular feeling at the time was that I had been unemployed for about a year and I actually went through a period of homelessness for about five months. Mm. So when you are learning how to program with the hopes of getting a job and gainful employment, 
to be able to enter a career that would hopefully set you up for a lifetime, though all of those sociological issues, you know, compounding that for me, they were, they were very, very real. And I knew that I wanted to be in a position where I could, I I could grow and and grow, frankly, in ways that I couldn't imagine. I never worked with developers. I was never particular, I was never entrenched in that space. So I was not just learning uh, the, the basics of programming. There are also other parallel skills that people have to learn um, in addition mm-hmm. to coding. And then just learning how to navigate the tech the tech space, um, the tech space in New York City. Who's who? What do people do? How do they work? It was very educational, but it, it could be overwhelming at times. Because there's, you know, you always feel that you're behind in some sense. Oh, yeah. There's something missing, right? Or that quadrant where you don't know that you don't know. It always rears its ugly head at the worst possible time. And then doing it in New York City, right? At the epicenter of finance and all the movers and the shakers. But you persisted and you pressed forward. And there's something in you that led you not only to empower yourself, but then take it the additional step to empower the very constituents that you felt that you weren't a part of until you buckled down. So talk to me about how you even got to the point that you were led to write the developer's guide to content creation. So the, the developer's guide to content creation, I've been interested in writing a book for about four years, That w- a book that would be geared towards so- software developers. So the interesting thing about my career is that I learned how to code, but I never became a developer or a programmer. I had a bit of, mm-hmm. a bit of, a, of an existential crisis where I realized that, you know, the coding stuff is not fun for me. That was just, it was, right. that's what it was. And I said, I don't know that I can sit in front of a computer for eight hours minimum trying to figure <laughs> out a piece of code and and, and moving that forward. I, I felt that there was, there was something missing. And it took me a while to truly get to the crux of what it was that I enjoyed about being in the tech industry. And what I enjoyed was one, being around software developers and their enthusiasm for the things that they're learning and doing. And two, the times that I was, um, that I, that I faced a problem in my coding journey, writing about them. So when I learned how to Mm -hmm. code, my mentor recommended that I'd start a learning blog where I would just write entries about what it was that I was learning as a way of keeping track, almost like a journal, keeping track of everything that I was learning, the problems that I was coming across and how, how I was solving those problems. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it because even though learning how to code, there were a lot of frustrating moments. I was able to inject humor and and, and other things to kind of uh, make the process seem a little bit less daunting and a little more colorful. And I realized, well, mm. maybe there's a chance for me to actually write about technology, work in the software development space and write about tech without actually being on the developer side of the house. So at that point in time, I started looking for jobs at companies that were B2B companies with developers as their um, main user base. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was looking for technical writing jobs or copywriting jobs. And I ended up in a marketing copywriting position for a cloud infrastructure company in New York City. And during my time there, I was, I was responsible basically for writing all of the marketing collateral that we used that explained all of the products that we had for a developer audience. So I learned the importance of what developers appreciate and don't appreciate when it comes to very marketing centered and marketing focused language. 
I worked closely mm-hmm. with technical writers and editors just to kind of understand how, just to, to understand how they write documentation that's geared for a developer audience. And then I also worked with the product team and I was actually doing writing for, for the product itself. So um, it was mm. basically through the experience of being a writer that was interfacing with all of these different stakeholders. I developed an understanding of what it was that, mar- that, that developers like and don't like when it comes to technical content. And that was at the time, I kind of just like put it in the back of my head and I was just using that information to inform my work. I didn't actually think there was a market for that particular kind of thing. like for, Because for me, frankly, being someone who has always been on the writing side of the house, uh, mm-hmm. it, it seemed a little obvious. I felt like I wasn't adding anything of value. Okay, this is how you create a blog. This is what you need to do. I thought that that was actually, I didn't think that would be interesting to anyone. But when I joined Microsoft and I was a content strategist on their uh, developer advocate team, Part of my job was guiding and coaching cloud developer advocates um, on, on, you know, best practices when it comes to content creation. And these are people who are really well-known technologists. Um, many of them are really comfortable content creators, but there were a lot of things that they, that there were, there were a lot of gaps in their knowledge. And that's only because they never worked in a content role right. before that I was able to fill in. And I realized, well, if developers at this particular level who are already really great content creators need certain things that are kind of foundational and fundamental. I can only imagine what developers who are not in these particular roles, not in developer relations, what they might need. And a lot of developers want really good developer content. They need better documentation. Mm, they, they, right. the, the content is extremely important because that's how they learn. And content, I, I'm not just referring to blog posts, really. It could be anything from screencasts or podcasts or, or an open source demo ghost, uh, hosted on GitHub. It can be, frankly, anything that is meant to be engaged with, any kind of information that's meant to be engaged with and consumed by an audience. And I realized, well, I know that a lot of developers always talk about wanting to have a blog. So why don't I help right. them understand what it demystify some of the issues or, or preconceptions that they may have about content, similar to the preconceptions that I had about programming. Why don't I help right. them demystify that, but, but do more than just demystify, actually make it so that they can build something while they're reading my book. So I wanted hmm. to be able to combine both. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. The Tech Intersect podcast is released to the public every Friday. And as an Advantage Evans member, you'll receive VIP first listen access as early as 48 hours before the public and exclusive subscriber content. We're talking worksheets and ebooks, curated links, media, topic specific content. 
premium members are also invited to monthly free AMA chats with yours truly. And AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. We'll talk about the episodes and I may also include a few special guests. Pro members receive all of that, plus AMA replay access. Advantage Evans membership adds substantial value to your listen, learn, and leverage podcast experience. And there are three ways to take advantage. See what I did right there? Advantage of all that the Tech Intersect podcast has to offer. So subscribe now for as little as $5 per month. Cancel at any time. Find out how to get started at techintersectpodcast.com. And now, back to the conversation. That's uh, fantastic because being a great developer does not translate clearly into being able to convey that information in a way that the other side who is involved in learning and growing and, and trying to find their way through and to the information that they need, there's a method to the madness of that. Oh, yes. Um, that is a skill set. And it's a hard skill set that is not often included when someone is focusing just on the code. So that leads me to um, what I know that you have three basic areas that you want to increase uh, the competency and the skill set of those who get your book. So what are the three things that devs will learn about optimizing their content so that they go from project to professional and from professional to a sustainable business or at least a sustainable dev in, in their career? That's, that's a great question. For one, the book will teach developers how to generate new ideas consistently. One of the issues that I've observed with content creation for developers is uh, someone will sit down and say, I have an, a great idea for a blog post or maybe three or four blog posts, but they have not actually thought beyond the initial kind of, you know, spur of the moment ideas, what else they might need for a blog. So I've seen someone, I've seen people say, yeah, I'm going to start a blog. And in the beginning, they will generally have quite a bit of content. You know, they, they might have ideas already that, they, that, have, that has been cooking for a while and they want to explore. But then a blog hits a certain point where it'll peak and the developer realizes that, wait, um, I've been going on inspiration juice for a while. And now that the inspiration juice has run out, I don't actually have anything more to say beyond that to kind of mm. keep things going consistently. So you might find for three, four, five, six months, a developer is consistently, by consistently, I mean like at a regular cadence. The cadence might be once a week, once every two weeks, two to three times a week, doesn't matter. But they go from producing regularly to producing infrequently or stopping altogether. So it might go down to once a month, it might go to once every three months, once every six months. And the problem there is that a lot of people, um, and frankly, I've done this myself, rely on inspiration alone or motivation mm -hmm. to get them to kind of push them along. And the truth is that inspiration is really fickle. And you're not always going to be motivated to write something. So we can't right. wait for those moments where we feel like, okay, we can't rely on emotion alone to get us through creating something that we can sustain over the long term. Secondly, developers know or want to know a lot of things and a lot of those ideas go discounted. So for example, the idea that I had for this book, I'm going to help developers understand the end-to-end -end content creation process. I almost didn't write this book because I thought, well, this is stuff that 
maybe everyone knows. This is not something, it's not rocket science. I'm, I have no delusions of grandeur here, but frankly, the fact is that what was common knowledge to me was not common knowledge to everyone else. Had I decided mm. not to write this book, this book would have not been written and developers would have had to go to various different sources to try to get even um, to get some of the information that is covered in this book. So I want to help. That's the first thing I want to help developers identify all of the possible ideas they have that would make for good content. So that's one thing. The second thing is to help developers kind of um, break down the writing stage into three mm -hmm. different stages. So one of the misconceptions that occurs with writing is that one will sit down and again, this, there's the, the inspiration driven myth that one will sit down and one will hammer out a really awesome draft that will be ready to publish almost immediately. That is not true for any of the novelists that we admire, any of the authors right. or journalists. No writer, even a writer that has been writing consistently every single day for the last 30 years, will have a 100% perfect first draft. The challenge there is sitting down and actually writing the first draft. And it can be really daunting sitting down and, and, and looking at a text editor or looking at word processing software and saying, how am I going to start this? So I, I break down the writing stages into a planning stage where I also mention the different types of content and blog posts can be written. And I provide examples of those. And then I also list what are the things developers should be focusing on it during the writing stage. And then finally, the editing stage, because we have to refine, right. we have to fine tune things in order to get them right. So the second thing is breaking down the writing, the writing stage. And the third um, aspect of what developers will learn from reading this book is about promoting their content. So I am definitely under, I, I understand that for a lot of developers, um, marketing, marketing or, or sales can be something that doesn't feel very good. It feels a little bit icky. It right. feels uh, foreign to them in the way that coding felt really foreign to me. But the truth is that marketing does not have to be something that delivers a bunch of fluff with no value. And uh, marketing today is highly data-driven and actually really, really, the fact is that marketing operations is something that has evolved greatly. So things are, are kind of less about intuition these days and more about using data to better understand what's working, what's not working. So that's right. that's basically what I want to help developers do next is how to how to promote their content effectively, how to use different channels to promote their content and how to continuously use data to kind of refine what it is they're working on. Yeah, it's so important because, you know, the idea that if you build it, they will come just doesn't, it, it didn't ring true in the 20th century and it certainly doesn't ring true now. And the fact that people want to really have access to information, but there's an embarrassment of riches yes. you know, of even where to find it. So uh, to your point earlier, being able to pull together all of the key content so that people can find it in one place. And also a part of that is even letting people know why this is important and why this really completes the full circle of not only the, the developer skills, but also effectively communicating that information and in what way. And again, the fact that it's a process, right? It's a skill and it is something that you can do once you have the roadmap. And, and yes. my understanding of the book, I'm super excited about it, is because you have now provided the roadmap for things that you thought were simple, but they're not simple to people who don't know it, don't do it, 
and it feels foreign to them. So that's really important. It was really important to me to make sure that the book was accessible as possible. The, yes. the fact is that content creation, there, there are a lot of different ways that I could have gone about this book. And I, and I deliberately kept it light on, on marketing jargon or concepts, because right. the, the point of the book is not to turn developers into the next product marketers. It's to help them become better content creators. However, the foundational concepts in the book are things that have been mastered by marketing and, and communications. And frankly, these are, these are things that the companies that many of these developers are working at, this is, these are the kinds of, you know, processes that they're already utilizing on these teams. It's just that developers haven't had the opportunity to really interface with those folks as much or really fully understand those processes. Mm -hmm. And it's meant to, to get them started so that once they are, once they, they're generating content, once they're really confident about what it is that they have, they've been promoting regularly, then it's a springboard to, okay, I might want to know a little bit more about this, or I, I want a little more of a deep dive on that. And for that, I, I was really intentional about making sure that the book is relevant to developers, no matter their skill level. And by skill level, I mean their, their how much experience they have with either content creation or marketing or even development. Um, I, I try to keep those assumptions um, to, to a minimum, but I wanted all of the, the, the different audiences that I'm speaking to, to feel that, yes, there is definitely something in this book that speaks to me directly. And not just that, I know where to go next. It wasn't enough for me to just say, okay, this is the process. And then here's the next thing. It was more like, okay, this is one chapter where we're talking about writing. Here are some resources that you should look into that will dive into some of these things even further. So I, I, I pepper a lot of resources throughout the book for continued reading, for, for you know, further research, again, right. as a way of, of kind of like inspiring curiosity, getting people curious and, and also giving them more access to, to deeper, frankly, to like deeper dives on some of the content that I bring up in the book. And I know that the book is, is a great place to begin, but for those who want that deeper dive, as you said, uh, talk about some of the services that you provide to devs as well. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. So one of the things that um, I'm actually going that I'm it's still very much in the ideation stages, but it's something that I do want to launch in the springtime. I right. am planning on uh, launching kind of like a consulting service where I have mm -hmm. focused strategy calls with developers. Still very much kind of trying to figure out exactly what this is, but I want to start with something really small. I want to just Hey, right. 30 minutes, you want to sit down and you want to kind of run your idea by somebody. You want some, you know, pointed advice that's tailored to your situation about the blog or, or screencast or podcast that it is that you want to launch. You want to right. get, you know, you want to do a Q&A with somebody who is on the content side who can better, uh, who can better direct you to, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? Those are the kinds of calls that I plan on, on right. offering developers just as a way of giving people direct access to a content creator who has worked with developers before. So that is definitely something that is on the roadmap. Yeah, I definitely see that. I see a lot of speaking engagements. But what I have found, and, and you found your way to the book before I did, I remember doing all of these speaking engagements and all of the consultations, and they're only 24 hours of the day. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I remember Arlen Hamilton tweeted about this recently. All of the people who want to pick your brain, eventually you, you say, you know what, brain, let me do a brain dump. Yes. I'm going to do a book. And then start here and then we'll talk. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> right. So I caution you or not caution. I uh, support you in the desire to 
get the information, curate it, you have the book, and then the magic will will ultimately happen. You'll find your way to that nice cadence and the balance between taking 24 calls a day, right? Oh, yeah. uh, versus having the book and doing other things where people can access it 24 seven, where you may not have to be directly involved, but now they actually know who an expert is in this field who can take them to the next level. So that that's fantastic. And so let's talk about the launch, uh, how people can purchase the book. I will say for Advantage Evans members, I'll drop some additional resources in the full show notes that you'll have access to. Maybe we'll have Stephanie come back and do an AMA and ask me anything oh, that'd after be the book comes out. And for those who really want to take a deep dive, Advantage Evans members, She's all yours. So we'll work on that after the show and figure that out. But let's talk about the release date and where people can get the book and all of that good stuff. Absolutely. So the book is currently available for pre-order at developersguidetocontent.com. There are two different versions of the book being sold. One is for individuals. So if this is something that you're the only person that's going to be reading this book, I encourage you to buy that version. But if you work on a developer relations team, a marketing team, or an engineering team that's interested in doing things like exploring things like creating an engineering blog, there's also a Teams version that is sold um, that is on pre-order and you can purchase that version for up to 10 people in your team. Um, another great thing is that uh, a lot of wonderful folks in the community have generously donated 70 free copies of the Developer's Guide to Content Creation for developers from underrepresented backgrounds in technology. There will be a giveaway. Mm. Details for the giveaway will go live on January 27th, so it'll launch sometime that week. And again, it'll be, you know, 70 free copies. It's going to be a one-time thing. Um, so if you're interested in that, please follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is Radio Morillo. That's R-A-D-I-O-M-O-R-I-L-L-O for details. So stay tuned on that. So I'm really excited to be able to, to do that in addition to sell the book. Uh, we will definitely connect on our resources page. Please follow Stephanie Morillo. You're doing so many wonderful things and you're supporting an important community in this new economy and really helping people level up to go to that next level. So I'm a super fan. Uh, anything I can do to continue to support you, I will. Uh, women of color in tech, all of uh, you know the things that, are, that we're doing specifically, not just within the community, but the impact that it has above and beyond to the larger technology community. And that's what it's really about. Right. Oh, and yes. so, in, you know, including increasing the tent. Yes. And the opportunities. And that's most important. I see you and I love it. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Success in this new economy depends on your ability to navigate the intersections of law, business, and technology. For software devs, that means learning to tell the story of your project with compelling text and media so you can develop your brand as well. And Stephanie shared some real gems for all of us, really, about how to get from the comfort of the familiar to the next level of our personal and professional success. Follow your curiosity and don't let fear get in the way. Stephanie learned to code because she saw that developer jobs were a pathway to gainful employment, to careers, and to sustain generational wealth. But she also learned through that process that software development just wasn't her thing. She was competent, but not inspired. But educating and empowering developers, that made her heart sing, and she's an absolute pro. 
Now she seeks to demystify for devs the process of creating content for blog posts and online courses, how to launch podcasts and screencasts in order to share what they know to bring technical writing and creations to life. Stephanie has agreed to co-host an AMA chat that's Ask Me Anything, so be sure to become an Advantage Evans member for a complimentary pass to this online event and every AMA. And purchase your copy of The Developer's Guide to Content Creation with the link in the show notes. That's all for now. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media. On Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated. <laughs>